is practiced on every side of every issue expressed in professing Christianity and in the Hebrew Roots Movement, and it needs to be called out. Hi, this is Banner Kid, and welcome to the Root of Truth podcast. Scriptural overreach occurs when a person or a group of people have an agenda. Uh, they're devoted to an opinion, typically emotionally charged. Now, I know it well because I've been a part of the practice of scriptural overreach, and I publicly repent of it, and I ask forgiveness from anyone I might have hurt seen it all too often when an individual, usually one who's very charismatic or holds influence in leadership or surrounding leadership, has a privately held interpretation of the scripture and voices it as thus says Yahweh. And then the search for scripture references to back the so-called prophetic utterance begins. Group speak based on group think gins up and it's off to the races. The preponderance of evidence compiled in scriptural overreach leads to a conclusion that elevates the individual and the group at the expense of another individual or group. I believe this scriptural overreach is a result of Nicolaitanism that's condemned by the Master in the book of the Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, we read that the Master hates the works of the Nicolaitans. A quick word study lets us know about these Nicolaitans. They are those who give edicts to the people, having victory over the people in a matter of conquest. I believe they are those who are of the sort of the Pharisees who ruled according to their own resources while purporting to be teaching Torah, even, even using Torah as the pretext for their rulings. Remember the condemnation of the practices of those who sit in the seat of Moshe, leveled by the master Yahusha in Matthew chapter 24? The history of those men was misapplication of the Torah, even to the leveling of charges of lawlessness at the lawgiver himself. I believe it is an attempt to rule over the belief of the people who stand in belief in Messiah. Is that what those who wrote the letters and the books of the apostolic scriptures did? The apostle or emissary Shaul, called Paul, wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Not that we rule over your belief, but we are fellow workers for your joy, for you stand by belief. Those who by belief are born again from above have been made alive spiritually and have received the Spirit in their hearts as a pledge, and He is the Comforter, the one who gives revelation, reminding us of the words of the Master who spoke only the words of His Father, and now our Father in Him. Spirit working with truth to cause us to walk in His statutes and guard His commandments. It's the new covenant realized with the Torah written on our hearts and put into our minds, it is the mind of Messiah, the living Torah himself. Therefore, he is our teacher and our master. To him we stand or we fall. Shaul writes in Romans chapter 14 about this very subject. He says, Who are you that judges another servant? To his own master he stands or falls, but he shall be made to stand, for Elohim is able to make him stand. In Philippians chapter 2, Shaul writes, Work out your own deliverance with fear and trembling, for it is Elohim who is working in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. 
Now, many are quick to point out scriptural overreach when the text is misused to support eating unclean, as is often done with Acts chapter 10 and or Romans chapter 14. Or in the matter of the truth of the Seventh-day Sabbath being tossed out by the misapplication or reading into the text of what the writer did not really say, like in Romans chapter 14 or Revelation chapter 1, among others. But now, in many circles of Hebrew Roots movement, we see the same practices that end up in tossing out entire portions of text and ultimately a rejection of the very Messiah that all of the scriptures are all about. But now... I see it being used to support dubious, at best, accusations against other groups or individuals. Now, I've done it myself, and I'm ashamed that I did it. It has been and is now being used against me. Specifics of my case, well, that's not the issue. The issue is that the message of the good news is the proclamation of the reign of Elohim in and through the son of Elohim, the master, the prophet and Messiah foretold, Yahushua the Messiah. That is now becoming instead, in some circles, the reign of men. Friends and brethren, it should not be so. Look, I'm not talking about calling out sin as defined in Scripture. We're supposed to convict the works of darkness as written in Ephesians chapter 5. What I'm talking about are the issues that arise that are of private interpretation. Uh, Maybe uh, uh, some of those things that just really have no bearing whatsoever on our deliverance. They devolve into group speak, fueled by the group think. It is taking verses out of context to support an opinion about a person or a group that doesn't line up with your doctrine. Listen, I know it well. I've seen it countless times, like I've said. I've been a part of it. And it's a grievous thing. In the body of Messiah, we are all different. And in different places in our journey, if indeed we are on the same journey. The journey I'm talking about, it's the one in Messiah that leads us to eternal life in Him. Now, He is the path. We know he said that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. As we walk along this path, change happens. Sometimes we pick up opinions as we read uh, the scriptures or something someone else wrote, or we hear some uh, other person's take on what we're reading or studying or feeling. And we have to constantly submit those opinions to the truth of the word and allow his spirit to bring us out of private opinion into pure truth. But what often happens is that those opinions we, are, we have are then bolstered into becoming a prophetic word by scriptural overreach as others find verses, most often out of context. And then group speak of these verses is used to support the group think that is the core of our particular group. We are called to a unity of the spirit, not a unity of the flesh. Shaul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, I call upon you therefore, I the prisoner of the master, to walk worthily of the calling with which you were called, with all humility and meekness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being eager to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, one body and one Spirit, as you also were called in one expectation of your calling, one Master, one belief, one immersion, one Elohim and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Much is made in some circles about the role of the flesh or the Adamic nature that we're to put off, you know, the old man. I agree that the flesh is opposed to the Torah, cannot understand it, and cannot submit to it. I agree that we have to put off the first Adam and put on the second Adam, who is Messiah. But I also believe that this is often misused in scriptural overreach. The scribes and the Pharisees and the Nicolaitans of the day when Messiah first came had been around for thousands of years. Their wielding of Torah was Adamic and in the flesh. 
And as I stated earlier, they used their overreach in Adam to even level false charges against the master himself. I believe the ultimate application of the Adamic nature, the flesh that opposes the Torah, is juxtaposed against the knowledge of the Messiah, the second Adam, who is the life-giving spirit. It is evidenced by the very scriptural overreach that results in groupthink and groupspeak that I've been talking about. Listen to what the master says in John chapter 5. He says, You search the scriptures because you think you possess everlasting life in them. And these are the ones that bear witness of me, but you do not desire to come to me in order to possess life. I do not receive esteem from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of Elohim in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you would receive. How are you able to believe when you are receiving esteem from one another and the esteem that is from the only Elohim you do not seek? Now listen, I'm not sure, I can't say that you, uh, I can speak for myself, but I can't say of you or anyone whether you are those uh, uh, who do not desire to come to him to possess life. But you might be in a place where you're getting close to something like that if you continue along this path. It's a path where men compare themselves to one another, aligned by their privately held doctrine, giving esteem to one another and giving esteem to one another's words and are not esteeming the Father, hearing from him and esteeming him and not receiving esteem from him. This is an exercise of the flesh in Adam and not in Messiah. The real questions are these. Are you born again from above? Do you have a love for the truth? Are you resting in Messiah and him alone for your deliverance? Are you willing to lay down your opinions and your devotion to anything and everyone or anyone that vaunts itself or himself or herself against the knowledge of Elohim? If we love Messiah, then we're to love our brothers and sisters. And we're not to hold our knowledge or what we believe is knowledge over their heads. They may not be where we are or where we think we are, we may not really be. Take heed lest you fall. Shaul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. May we be of the sort that builds up in love. This is Banner Kid for the Root of Truth podcast. Thank you for listening. Better than I do, and I thank you.